1: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel. You want to check out that Dolphins post-game show? I'm sure it was probably better than the game. So you can go there and check out the Final Yard. Also, the rest of our shows on the YouTube channel, including Dono Daily, which will be back Monday at noon. Also five for all of our latest articles. Alex Baumgartner has got a full Panthers preview up there. It's really, really good. Check that out. No paywall. Also all of the articles from Brady Hawk who will be joining us on this episode and check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. We always tell you this, you got to go to prize picks, use that code five, make sure that you get on there now because we got NBA season starting. We're going to start doing the up downs before pretty much every game. So go to PrizePicks.com. Sign in with the code five F I V E and just start playing around with it. Deposit 20 bucks. You'll get your deposit match. You want to deposit hundred, you'll get a hundred match, but you can go all in by the power play. You can go partially in by the flex play, get some of your money back. If you only hit one or two out of your three or four uh, props, you can play two props, three props, four props, five props. You can play players from different teams and different leagues. Okay. Even different sports. You can do whatever you want there on Prizepicks.com. but make sure no matter what it is you're doing, use that code five five F I V E. we got people who come to us they're like we didn't get the bonus so you didn't use the code use the code F I V E at prizepicks.com the official daily fantasy sponsor of the five reasons sports network and now tonight's
0: episode yeah uh. Five on the floor, ride for my dogs here's the thing, you can check the score Hustle hard, couple scars, rain bubble frogs Just like to said, you in trouble, y'all Kept the floor playing, got a all band. Y'all seen the block, Stop with one hand Impact with trust, it's power have the guts We here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up
1: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's tonight's floor plan. I've got Alex Toledo. You can follow him the tropical blanket. I've got Brady Hawk, who is actually at, at uh, Heat Practice today. Got a chance to speak to Caleb Martin. We'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. You can follow me at five reason sports and at Ethan J. Skull. And what we're going to do today, everybody's talking about Tyler Hero. We get it. We're going to be doing a lot more on Tyler Hero as we go forward. He's had uh, three games in the mid twenties so far to start the preseason. Basically, along with Max Struess, carried the heat to a victory. The heat's pretty much C team beat the Spurs, I guess, a minus team (laughs) the other night and the, and the heater now three and zero in the preseason, Alex and I will be at the game against Charlotte on Monday night, but we're going to talk about hero, but we're going to talk about it in a broader context here, because one of the things that Brady wrote about was the way that Tyler is incorporating the mid range more and more into what he does, uh, whether it's uh, the floater, the pull up or anything further out, uh, not just all three point shots are at the basket, a lot of mid range stuff and he's been very efficient doing it. And it kind of, I don't know, sort of raised an idea with me, which was that the Heat have a chance to be kind of a counterculture NBA offense this year in a lot of ways. Uh, we obviously have seen over the past 15 years, particularly after the Steph Curry explosion, that everybody's three-point shots are at the rim. Three-point shots are at the rim. That's what the analytics tell you. That's what's most efficient. But we also saw in the playoffs last year that the Suns basically got to the finals using the mid-range game with Chris Paul and Devin Booker because that's what's available now. Because teams are playing the rim and the three-point line defensively, and it's opening up other things, particularly, as I said, in the postseason. And Miami has a guy in Tyler Hero is working on this, Bam Adebayo, whose whose numbers I think will shock you from last season. And Jimmy Butler, I think his numbers will definitely shock you because he was actually a lot better from the mid-range last year than he was the season before. But I'll start here with you, um, Brady. Just getting into Tyler specifically, how is he using it and how has it been so efficient?
2: Yeah, I think if you look at last season, in the year before, it was a lot of just getting to the elbow and the pick and roll and just pulling up. We've seen that with all of the players on the roster last season. If it was Goron, if it was Kendrick, if it was Tyler, we were talking before the playoff series against the Bucks that they were going to be able to exploit that against drop coverage. He gets to the elbow, you pull up, and if you knock it down, you basically kind of figured out that coverage. The issue is if that shot is not dropping, then you have real issues. Tyler is basically mixing it all up. They're not one-dimensional anymore. From that mid-range, you've seen, as you mentioned, the floater is going to be a big thing. He mentioned he doesn't want to – he's going to get to the rim a lot. He's going to still have that that scoop layup that he likes to use just with, with his good touch, but it's going to be a lot of floaters so he doesn't have to worry about getting blocked as much. There's a lot of things, to floater, and kind of fading away with it, which is kind of interesting. It's pretty unblockable because he's fading away. If you try to jump into him, they're going to foul him. Um, and he's trying different things where if he's getting to the rim, he's kind of pulling back out a little bit. He's, it's like he's avoiding – defense finding dead spots. And I think that's really important for him, especially as you mentioned, if he's efficient like that, then he can do what he wants. So it's kind of just expanding everything a little bit more. Um, You've kind of seen him use hesitations a little bit more. we talked about him trying to find separation in different ways. He's not going to be a guy that's going to create major separation isolations, but the one thing he can do is kind of be methodical to keep defenders on their toes, wait for them to jump and then fire above them. Because as we know with Tyler, especially when he has confidence, he has a very high release point and he can shoot right over the top of anybody. So it's just kind of looking at the numbers last season. I think there could be a little similar, but it's just going to be in different ways. It's not going to be as one dimensional. I think that's so important for him just to kind of expand the offense even more from what they've added.
1: Alex, uh, we talk about the Heat needing a three-level scorer. You and I both talked about a lot with Greg last year that there really wasn't one on the roster. Uh, maybe it was going to be Oladipo. Maybe they could go get someone else in free agency or the trade market. And now you have people on Twitter, uh, you know, saying, "Well, they have a three-level scorer. He's Tyler Hero." <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that we thought that the mid-range part of it was going to be the part that we could count on now, along with the rim part. It's actually the three point shot that he's got to kind of get back from, you know, where it fell to last year, but how comfortable are you with, with him sort of in the mid range area now?
3: Oh, I'm definitely comfortable with it. And like, he's shown us a lot of this stuff in the past, but I love what Brady was talking about just because, you know, he really went into just how much he's improved, you know, that feel for when to take the shot, what type of shot to take, how to kind of wait to see, you know, uh, it's, it's more about the timing thing, I think, with Tyler, right? It's like finding the right shot at the right time. Like, he had that one shot. And by the way, he was just cooking DeJounte Murray the other night, just an, an elite guard defender. So that was definitely a great sign. But he had this one shot where uh, before he got to the shot, he got just completely away from DeJounte Murray. And it was, like, his, its own form of separation. And he just got this clean little, what, 12-foot jumper in the mid range, And he had a lot of, the, like, these little – nifty moves in there and I, I think he realizes the value of somebody who can create and score at all three levels of the floor and like you said you know i was definitely looking forward to the, the most to, to tyler bringing back his his three-point shooting around and obviously that hasn't been a problem yet in these three preseason games but him just looking better all around as a three-level scorer is a huge sign like he's leading the league in preseason scoring which isn't anything crazy but it is like 25 points a game in like 26 minutes You know, uh, he did it in one game as the pretty much the only guy who can create for himself, Uh, did it in other games as a role player, did it in the first game as a starter. Like, I just think he's done it in in every single, you know, situation he's been put in so far. He looks extremely confident out there. And if he's just going to be a mini three-level scorer for you off the bench, like, that's a real nice weapon to have.
1: Let's get into some of the other guys on the team because obviously Tyler's been the story here. We haven't seen a whole lot of Jimmy – uh, you know, Kyle really hasn't looked to score uh, since since he's been here. He's just been looking to set other guys up. And and then, you know, bam, we've seen him be very aggressive at the start of games. But I want to go through some of the numbers here uh, before we kind of get into the league trends, because I do think that they would surprise people. Uh, you know, you look at Bam. Well, let's first let's look at Jimmy from last year. OK, I, I think the perception I had the same perception was he didn't shoot well from the mid range last year. And I, I know Cooper Moorhead kind of corrected me on Twitter about that. And, and I'm looking at it here. I mean, if you look at his first year in Miami, the 1920 season from three to 10 feet, this is according to basketball reference, he shot a little under 43 percent last year it was at 44 percent. From 10 to 16 feet, which is right sort of in the middle of the mid-range, he shot a little under 39%. Last year, he shot a little under 43%, so he jumped there too. And then 16 feet to the three-point line, which is kind of known as the worst shot in basketball, but again, I think things might be cycling back. He shot 28% two years ago. And last year he shot 36%, which is fairly healthy. Like, if you look at the course of his career, even in his best years from that area, he was kind of between 36 and 38%. So it was right where he used to be. Uh, Alex, why do we have the perception Jimmy didn't shoot the ball well last year?
3: Well, I think it's because of the low volume mostly. I think he definitely showed a little bit of an uptick from, you know, last regular season to the regular season before you know, not including the bubble playoffs where he was starting to make kind of jumpers out of nowhere at the randomest times and big moments. I just think like because of the the past, right, because of Jimmy Butler's entire career with the Bulls mostly, I just think he's shown that he has a proficiency to be a guy who can score from there whenever that shot is there for him. And, you know, when teams are in the playoffs, you know, like we saw with the Bucs, they're going to be guarding the hell out of the paint, a team like the Bucs. Who had just elite rim protection, two seven footers who could really cover everything up, and made the Heat. Uh, I, I think just kind of hesitate a little bit too much. Like those shots are going to be there for for Jimmy, and at the, and Brady was talking about that with Tyler, and it's definitely going to be the case for Jimmy because teams are always going to uh, wall off the paint against him. They know he's trying to get to the free throw line. I just think that shot is going to be there for him. I'm I still believe he's capable of taking it. Uh, you know, a little bit higher volume especially now that he's going to be uh, off the ball a little bit more you know maybe he gets a couple easier looks there i just think like that's an easier way for jimmy to get some of his points up and for the heat to actually beat some of those playoff defenses that they might have to see again
1: i mean brady does jimmy uh, considering how often he gets to the line um which which does slow down a little bit in the playoffs we saw that you know and the way that brooke played bam i think restricted a lot of jimmy's space there but does he need to be a knockdown? And when I say knockdown mid-range shooter, I'm not talking about him being close to 50%, but I'm, I'm saying him, you know, getting that number, you know, that 16 to 23 feet closer, maybe to 40%, getting the other numbers a little bit closer to 45%. Is is that necessary?
2: Yeah, I think when you heard this team having Kyle Lowry immediately think of Jimmy Butler off the ball, um, we know what he can do off on the ball, what Kyle Lowry can do off of it. But when you switch things, is Jimmy going to be a spot-up shooter from the outside? That's not going to be the case at any point. So I think where it comes in is that he's going to play off the catch a bit more. And as you mentioned, it's going to be a lot of kind of charging the rim with a little bit more space, but it's also going to be about when they they kind of block off around the basket, he's going to have to pull up off the catch. So I think the attention should definitely be up in this regard. I think you're going to see him doing what you're talking about that kind of defenses want you to do, which is take a couple steps in, maybe two dribbles in and kind of pull up. Um, and if you look at his numbers from, from last season on pull-ups, he was 43% on three attempts. If you can kind of be in that type of range on maybe four attempts, maybe a little bit over four attempts, then you definitely have something. Cause I think that's going to be a lot of where his offense is coming from. Um, and I'm kind of picturing it as maybe coming off the wing a bit more. Um, but it's just not that simple. Like, obviously he's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. Kyle's going to be playing off the ball and you're going to see him coming off of different screen actions coming off of pick and rolls and just pulling up at all together. Um, and he's somebody that gets closer to the rim. He's not somebody that is pulling up like Tyler is where he's kind of finding the spots on the floor farther away in the mid range where Jimmy's kind of getting closer to the rim and just kind of waiting it out. He plays at such a slow pace when he's getting downhill that he can kind of wait it out. Um, and as you've seen, even in the scrimmage we went to, you've seen in the preseason so far, he's going to throw you a bunch of pump fakes to try to get somebody in here and jump into him. So that's just where it comes into play. It's not even as many attempts. Maybe it's just using those touches inside the paint inside the mid range to kind of get to the free throw line. As you mentioned,
1: it's it's funny you mentioned that because I, I was watching this clip that got circulated this NFL clip that got circulated last week uh, with the chargers coach, Brandon Staley uh, talking, he's an analytics guy. Okay. But he was talking about how sometimes you need to run the ball, even if you know in in the NFL, even if you're not having success, because essentially it's what it creates for the defense. It's also the mentality it creates for your offensive lineman. It's forcing the defensive uh, the defense to tackle, which you don't have to do on every passing play. And, and in a basketball context, because uh, it was interesting, it was an analytics guy talking about something that really was anti analytics. Essentially, it, it's 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 essentially more of a a kind of a feel thing uh, th- than a numbers thing. And it got me thinking a little in the basketball sense as we transition to bam, because we're going to talk about the numbers and how they got better for bam last year, but really what bam just needs to do is shoot it. Okay. And it's sort of like running the ball. the He just needs to shoot it to keep the defense honest because we saw what happened, Alex in the playoffs last year. And we'll, again, I'm going to, I'm going to read off the numbers after you go, you know, here, but we saw when he, he doesn't shoot it. It essentially gummed up the entire, offensive attack for jimmy and and pretty much everybody else right so i mean even before we get to the increase in percentages if the shot is there for bam if it's if it's still being being made available to him he has to take it
3: correct there's no doubt about it like i think that's the one uh part that i think people have honed in on just because we've seen how good uh his stroke is right we've seen that he has a soft touch he can shoot free throws like i just think Bam has that touch already. And in the same way that we talked about the mid range with Jimmy in the same range that we talked about it, that, uh, with Tyler, I just think that shot is going to be there. Bam is going to have to take it. Kyle is somebody who finds guys in their spots quickly, gets the ball to them quickly. And I think it's just going to take a lot of time away from Bam of having to kind of think through every play, always having to set guys up. I think he's going to get a lot more open shots than he has in the past. And, that's going to be enough because I don't think he's really going to have to do a lot of it with the ball. Like, obviously I wouldn't mind if he takes a face-up jumper here, you know, here or there. I just think for Bam, it's a lot more just about simplifying the game, right? Like take the open jumpers when they're there. If the defense is backing up, take the jumper. If the guy is getting close to you, uh, take advantage and attack the rim. I think that's a, the, the type of, you know, simpler scoring reads that, I, that people want to see Bam make. And I'm, I'm with it, just, especially now that you've got Lowry there, the, the whole point of him, is to make things easier for everybody, but especially Bam. So I think that's absolutely one of the ways that Bam is going to have to step up the season. All
1: right, let's get to the numbers here and, and it it will further sort of make the point um, as you kind of look at, uh, you know, where he was the season before and where he was last season. So, if you look at the 2000, I, I'm I'm going to give you the 2019 2020 season, right, which is Bam's first you know, his All Star season, essentially. But statistically, overall, wasn't as good as as the season he just had. You look at his shot distance again, according to to Basketball Reference, the year before, uh, from three three to ten feet, forty six percent, from ten to sixteen feet, forty one percent, and from sixteen to sixteen feet to the three point line, twenty nine percent. Okay, so forty six. 41 29. Okay. Now let's pivot to last year. All right. And, and, and it's not just this, it's not just the percentages, but it is, even as people were frustrated with BAM, it is the volume, the volume did go up, but the volume, but the percentages last year, three to 10 feet, 47%, 10 to 16 feet, a very healthy 46%, 16 feet to the three point line, 38% that's supposedly the least efficient shot in basketball, 38%. He took about 30 more attempts than he did the season before. So Brady, again, I, this is really two pronged here, right? Like you need to do it to just keep the defense honest, but also like just by percentages at this point, it's a good shot.
2: Yeah. And I think back to media day when he mentioned the things he worked on the offseason, he said, I want to be a shooter. I think people immediately thought about the three point line, but I've been talking about the mid range, just expanding his mid range is probably more important than anything. Um, he also mentioned there that it was about not being bored in his spots, which was 100% the case. It was just him running handoffs, him setting screens and just kind of drifting to the elbow. And he was, his mid range shots probably almost always came from that elbow. So that was kind of trying to expand from there, get less bored in a way, looking at the numbers as well, the piggyback, piggyback off of it. One and a half attempts, catch and shoot on 46% last season and and on three attempts of pull-ups,
1: For no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H E L P.com/slash Miami Heat.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich,
0: but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the
2: classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He's able to expand what we've talked about with Kyle. And it's not just the elbow. And it's finding ways to to do it. Maybe like UD, with which he was practicing with him today. is just maybe hit that baseline jumper a little bit more, try to space out, pull centers away from the basket as much as possible, not just vertically, but also horizontally. Um, and I think it's just overall expansion of his game. It's just, this is just natural evolution of a player of his caliber. We know what he's capable of. They call him no ceiling for a reason. And it's because he's able to do this. And if he continues to do that with the lob threats you talked about with everything else, getting to the free throw line. This is where it comes in, into play. With Alex mentioned it, reading the defense, kind of reacting to what they do when they come up. He can drive. When they step back, he can shoot. He has a capable. He's capable of doing it. It just comes down to him actually doing it. And when they seize those type of coverages, him just being comfortable in doing it. We even saw in the preseason, he was getting a lot. We mentioned the usage numbers, but he had the ball in his hands a ton. And if he has the ball in his hands a ton, he's going to have to flow into those type of jumpers in mid-range.
1: Well, they call him No Ceiling because Greg gave him the name, but that's right. that's, that, that, that's that's a whole other story. I never got credit for the Heedles either, so that's kind of the way this goes. All right, when we come back from the break, uh, I want to get into sort of a more philosophical discussion about where the game is going uh, and where Eric may take the game because he always tends to be at the forefront of these things. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, trade shows are back. They're everywhere. And you got to check out the photos. Uh, I'm going to post some of these on Instagram that they do over at everything trade shows. They build really, really cool stuff and they can do a free booth rendering for your business or mention it to the boss. Get some brownie points there. You got to check out everythingtradeshows.com. They handle everything, the logistics, the booth, the graphics, the furniture, the flooring, even some tips to help get you noticed. They'll teach you the difference between renting and buying. And look, they are based right here, literally walking distance from where I live in Fort Lauderdale. They're right off right on Las Olas, right behind where uh, YOLO is getting renovated right now, if you're familiar with the area. So you can come in and, and meet with them in the office down there, but they also handle everything around the country, not just here in Fort Lauderdale. But if you go to some of these trade shows here at the Convention Center, Broward, Miami Beach, Miami Airport you'll see their stuff. Okay. Everythingtradeshows.com. That's where you want to go. Mention five reasons. Again, you'll get a free booth rendering and a free consultation. The phone number is 954-791-8882. 954-791-8882. Everythingtradeshows.com. Right, we're going to have a little more philosophical conversation here. Alex, you know, you you take a look at trends in the league. And I mean, the Heat have been in the forefront of a lot of it under Eric Spolstra, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, pace and space. Uh, we now call our Twitter spaces pace and spaces because of it, but tw- pace and space, uh, you know, playing sort of undersized fives, uh, which was a little bit by necessity because they couldn't find a five during the big three era. And they ended up, then Bosch got hurt. When Bosch came back, they put him at the five batty at the four. We know that, uh, but the way that they played it, now they weren't the only team doing this. He borrowed a lot of stuff from, Mike D'Antoni, Don Nelson kind of pioneered a lot of that before them, but, but a lot of it was from the heat. It was the shows you can win. And, and then we've also seen the analytics craze. And I know the heat relies somewhat on it, not completely, uh, but you know, again, at the rim, three point shots, Houston kind of went totally, you know, all in on that. Obviously Daryl Morey is big on that, but we did see a shift in the playoffs last year. Um, I mean, how sustainable do you think the shift is? And, and I mean, do you think that the heat could kind of be at the forefront of this again?
3: I don't know about the heat being at the forefront of something. I just think we're we're kind of at the next evolution of, of what's going on here with the NBA. Like you're talking about how we had the whole three point uh, revolution, the small ball and, you know, the heat playing Bosh and Battier as a front court. And It's obvious they're still doing things like that, that, you know, Bam is kind of very similar to Bosch uh, as far as like maybe somebody who was in a traditional five. And then they still uh, have enjoyed starting fours, like in the same mold as Battier, whether it be Crowder or Riza, now P.J. Tucker, in the sense that, you know, it's a it's a it's a quote unquote traditional small ball power forward. Right. So that stuff is still going on. The extremely high three point shooting, high pace. All that stuff is still trending up in the league every year. None of that is new. I do think what in the playoffs is where things really change. And we saw a lot of it last season. Whether you talk about the Suns, the Bucks, like first of all, you you already mentioned it with the Suns. Uh between Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they've got real three level scoring there. And I think that's why it's so big is because, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of times they're giving up that mid range. And so I think, you know, a team being able to have multiple ways of scoring on the Playoff defenses is kind of the most important thing now, and I think it's just kind of goes for both ends, right? I think variety and versatility are kind of where I'm at on the most important things for obviously uh, other than top end talent, right? That's 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 a given at this point. You need top end talent to win anything significant in the NBA, but as far as play style and what works on the court, I think you got to have variety on both ends. I don't think you, like we learned when it came to the, those Rockets teams, like. You know, just Harden having the ball, all the time in his hands. Like he would end up gassed out in the playoffs every single year. They never had variety outside of you know Harden creating for himself, whether it be a a a, a, a rim attempt, a three, or finding an open three for somebody else. Like, and I think this is something, by the way, that the Bucks added in order to win yep. that title by added by adding Drew Holiday, by turning Giannis into more of a screener, by giving Middleton. Uh, More time to create for himself in the clutch. I just think like they figured out ways to score in different ways to defend in different ways. Obviously, we it's been talked about how they went from being a team that dropped a lot to a team that switched a lot to being able to figure out when to do which on their way to the finals. So I just think the theme here is variety and versatility, whether you talk about offense or defense.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Middleton. Cause uh, I was going to get into him with Brady a little bit. Cause I, I, I do feel like uh, the appreciation of Chris Middleton, which came during the postseason, was also in part appreciation of what he was able to create in the mid range, because I mean, he, he was, he was able to get That's looks, cool. right. I mean, and he was able to get looks in the postseason as Booker and Paul were in the West. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, two teams that rely, I mean, I know Giannis is at the rim. I get it. Um, and the Bucks had some three point shooting on that team, but they also did a lot of work late in games, uh, mid range. Right. And, and and I feel like there were some teams that kind of flamed out because they didn't have that. Um, I, I guess, Bray, I mean, do you see a, a switch coming here?
2: Yeah, I think Tyler kind of touched on it a little bit that it's called the inefficient shot, but if you're making it, it's not inefficient. Like that's what defenses are forcing you to do is take those shots right inside, you know, the three-point line. That's what they want you to take because it's quote unquote, inefficient but if you're knocking them down like tyler was in the preseason that's just going to cause defenses to try to make adjustments maybe you know deontay murray starts going under the screen a little bit more and then it's tyler kind of pulling up above the break like you want to be the (laughs) forcing miss um changing things you don't want to be the one that's having to shift your offense you want to try to shift the defense so i think it it is something you can kind of see the trend for and i think you see a lot of these younger guys as we're talking about you know booker Um, And all the guys you've kind of mentioned, they're younger guys that are really honing in on that type of skill that we've seen the Steph Curry era where everybody just kind of changed to three-point shooting. Maybe you see, you know, people watching Devin Booker in the finals or watching Chris Middleton in the finals and saying that this is a skill that you want to try to work on more and try to find ways on the, to kind of have an open shot. Um, And that's kind of the case too. I think you're always trying to find a good look. Like it's not just about, if it's a two or a three, it's trying to find space on an NBA court to kind of get a good shot off. And when you're able to create that in the mid range and get basically a shot off with not really any contention on it, then that's something you should look for. And especially with Tyler, when you're talking about guys that maybe lack a bunch of separation or creation, that's mm-hmm. something to go to. And, and it's kind of a way to kind of change your spot up ways and not be one dimensional. It's um, why I've talked about with Duncan, he has the three-point shooting. He's not going to be a real attacker. But if he just puts the ball on the floor once, puts it in on the deck twice, gets into the mid-range and pulls up, it's going to be open for him most of the time with the way defenders fly out in him. So it just seems like a release valve to kind of go to. And especially as we're looking at this E team, I think it's something that they're going to go to a lot. Last season, it was like everything was pretty middle of the pack um, mm-hmm. from every spot of the floor that they go to. But it seems like now, as I mentioned before, it's not as one-dimensional with guys like on Tyler, and Kendrick just going to that pull-up, it seems like they have different ways to go about it. And I think, as Alex was talking about earlier, it feels like it just all starts with the way Bam kind of goes about it and kind of sets the tone early on.
1: Yeah, you know, here's the thing about Tyler, and, and then when we come back, I, I got one more thing I want to ask, ask you, Brady. But the, I, I think uh, there are two ways that you can go here when teams are overplaying the three-point line which is what's happening. I mean, you have the last 15 years, the warriors and everything else, what's going to happen. Teams are going to adjust. They're going to overplay the three-point line. There are two ways you can go. You can go back to 30 feet. If you're Dame Lillard or Steph Curry, right. But if you're not Dame Lillard or Steph Curry or Trey young, it's better to go inside the line. Okay. And and I think what we've seen is I think, again, there's always an overreaction, right? There's always a reaction and an overreaction, I think we've seen guys, Alex, who don't have the skill sets of Trey or Devin. Excuse me, oh, Devin to a degree, but Trey. Well, Devin went more inside the line, but but Trey or Dame or or uh, or Steph, who are still who are trying to chuck those twenty-eight to thirty-foot shots because the three-point line is being overplayed and they're not going to hit them. And I would prefer that Tyler make the decision that it appears that he's made, which is instead of moving further out, because as, as Brady says, sometimes he needs a screen. Sometimes he doesn't, he's not able to create as much. It's better to just find kind of the seams in the defense, uh, you know, a little bit further up.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just think that's Tyler's game in general. I think that's going to be his role. It's going to be somebody who just kind of comes off the bench and is slithering all around defenses, trying to find open looks for himself and others. I think he's, as a secondary playmaker, that's, that's pretty much what he's doing out there. It's just trying to get into the teeth of the defense and make something happen, even though, you know, like you said, the, crea- the separation stuff is something that's always been a concern with him, whether he's using a screen or not. I don't know. I, I, the thing with Tyler to me, I don't think it's, I don't think he's made a decision to, you know, become a mid range sniper. Cause I feel like he's shown himself to be that guy. Like, you know, I'm looking at his numbers to go percentage by distance on basketball reference and from 10 to 16 16 three the past couple of seasons he was above 40 percent on both right and that's not including anything he's done in this preseason or like i said he's been the leading scorer he's been on fire just lighting everybody up so i think this is something that's been in his game and it's just part of that third year uh you know we don't have to call it a leap yet because the regular season hasn't started but it's part of his growth that happens in the third year i just think the one real thing that we're going to have to be monitoring all year, as far as Tyler's shot profile is, is it between the threes and the rest of his shots? Is it 50 50 or does it lean towards one more than the other? Because I think last year it actually leaned towards more of the inside the arc scoring. And I don't remember who was posting the numbers, the numbers for this. I can't remember at the moment, but, um, it was leaning more towards the inside the arc scoring than the three point stuff. And that's kind of why I always talked about him going into the season as okay balance it out a little bit, right? Like I want to see you turn back into a shooter while keeping some of that stuff, that three level scoring stuff that we know he can do. And so I I think he's done a great job balancing it, obviously, because he's just kind of hitting from everywhere. So yeah, that's a great balance for sure. But I don't know. I don't think he's made any type of decision to be a mid range guy. I just think he has all these facets in his game and it's like, whatever shot they're giving me is a shot I'm going to take.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think it's more, like you said, it's a mentality of being opportunistic maybe more so than a conscious decision, which, which whatever it is, it's fine. Like, like we say, you know, again, you, 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 you get, you get three, you know, for stepping behind the line, but if you're missing them at a 70% clip, which Tyler was last season, uh, you know, then you take a look at it. Well, then, okay, then that's worth, you know, 45% from two, right? So if he's going to be making 45% plus from two, then actually it's better for him to be taking the two point shots plus The other thing is, there's more of a chance of him getting fouled when he's going towards the basket than when he's staying out at the three-point line, right? So... Uh, that also, you know, that's another facet of his game. We've talked about, he is a plus three point shooter, but he doesn't get there very often. If he can get there, I put the number at five attempts per game. If he can get to five attempts per game this season, that's going to be huge for his game. All right. When we come back uh, one quick thing from Brady, got a chance to talk to Caleb Martin today. uh, So I want to just download some of that information. Obviously it's on the website as well. Before we do though, I want to mention we've got a new code for therapist preferred. That's right. That's the CBD company. We've been telling you guys about great stuff. They got the gummies. They got the tincture. They've got the sports cream, help you with recovery, help you sleep. But now if you want to get that 25% off, you got to use this code five RSN. That's five RSN. Yes. We're trying to make the codes easier for everybody. I know we've had a bunch of them, uh, but we're going to go to five RSN. It used to be five reasons. So for this one, no longer five reasons you want to get that 25% off. This is great stuff. Um, that, I mean, this is what you want to use. Okay. There's no THC. You're not going to get in trouble with anybody, but you are going to feel better. That's the big thing here. So get the CBD from the place that we get our CBD. That's therapistpreferred.com. But again, the code is five reasons. And now back to the episode. Um, Brady, just real quick here. We're going to start doing a segment with you, uh, you know, here regularly Brady's breakdowns on the podcast. Uh, but you had a chance for sort of a sit down with Caleb Martin, kind of what his role might be with the team two way. Who's impressed, uh, since he's been here, not the kind of two way you typically get a guy with NBA experience. Uh, what are his thoughts kind of on, on how he fits here with this group?
2: Yeah, I think the first thing is interesting because he is playing Charlotte tomorrow. Um, the team he was just on. And I think the interesting thing is talking about the biggest differences, the way he was used there compared to the way he's going to be used in Miami, which he kind of talked about how he knew what night, how he was going to be used or when he was going to be used because obviously his minutes were limited where depending on the record at the time or maybe how the season was going, he kind of knew when he was going to be thrown in there. And obviously his role was a bit limited. In Miami, he basically said, you just never know because as we know what Spolster likes to do, You could be at the end of the roster. It could be tie game with six minutes left in the fourth, and he could be calling Caleb Martin's name to come in the game. That's just the way they've always pretty much been. Um, He talked about running a little bit with, obviously, the bench unit because, obviously, if he comes in, that'll usually be his role. But he also said he gets some reps in with some starters, which I think is interesting because if you look at the way Spolster's gone about things, Gabe Vincent has been a starter replacer uh, when guys go down. We've seen Max Struess jump in there before. Two ways are pretty much one ways, especially last season because they pretty much were one ways because they were used the entire season. Um, I think you see Kayla Martin maybe get some spot starts just because throughout the season you're going to see guys go down, and he's a guy that can create his own shot and defend and do all those type of things. Um, he talked about that a little bit. Of it's he is a plug and play guy, which it's perfect for Eric Spolcher, but he's also an isolation guy, which if you look across the roster that's probably the one thing that sticks out that maybe they don't have as much of, you know, we're seeing Tyler do it a little bit more, but obviously he's not a pure separation guy. Caleb Martin can be that guy gets to the rim off the dribble, um, get to the mid range and he could he could shoot the three at a decent level where he's a three level scorer that can be used in that way as well. Um, and then obviously defensively. And I think that's kind of been a surprise when I asked Spolstra, if, if it's kind of surprised him how active he's been on that end and said, no, because he's, they've been watching him for a while and seen what he's done, um, and you've seen that already. I think that's been a surprise to me. I've seen him just athletically. We knew what he can do athletically, getting to the rim, getting above the rim, but seeing it defensively, going up for blocks, just staying on guys, off-ball denial, um, that's what's going to keep him on the floor. When you're able to do that type of stuff while being able to create your own shot on the other end, it just feels like that's where he's going to be used. So, like I said, plug and play. I think we could see him start here and there, and it seems like if injuries happen, he's a guy that they can use a lot.
1: All right, Alex and I are going to be at the game on Monday night. You mentioned Brady against Charlotte. Uh, Brady and Greg will be on the Zooms. Greg will be back with us this week. We've got an episode with Eric Reed coming up on Tuesday, his annual preseason uh, episode where he goes through the five things he's looking for. and And we've been promised a Heat player here. Over the next week, uh, I already kind of know who it's going to be, but we'll wait till it's officially confirmed. We'll have him on the podcast. Also, George Sedano is going to join us. Probably Nate Duncan is going to join us. So we got a pretty full slate before the regular season starts against Milwaukee. Check out our sponsors again, therapistpreferred.com. Use that code 5RSN. Also, shows.com. Mention five reasons to them at prizepicks.com. Use the code five. Codes everywhere. Have a good night.
0: Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network. At
3: Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day.